0: So Thursday night really was awesome. I I thank you, Jason, uh, wherever you are, for putting that together. Um, I love the movie Courageous. It's very powerful. If you've never seen it before, I'd encourage you to rent it, watch it. It's all about what it means to be a godly husband and how to be a godly father. You know, at LifeSpring, we care about these things. Being a godly father, being a godly mother, these things matter at LifeSpring. The unity of marriage matters at LifeSpring. Raising our children to be mighty men and women of God, that matters at Lifespring. Over the past couple of weeks, or actually the past couple of months, we've been talking about the things that matter at Lifespring. We've called this series, The Building Blocks of Life at Lifespring. Anyone remember way back a couple of months ago what the number one building block was? Word. Say it again. Yeah, the Word of God. Then we talked about Jesus, and I described the plan of salvation. Again, if you have any friends that need to know the plan of salvation, go back onto the podcast, download that, send that to your friend. It's really going to help them uh, learn why Jesus is so important. And then we talked about prayer, and we talked about worship. And then last week we talked about community, right? Loving God and loving others. And we described how it's better to receive, or actually it's better to give than to receive. That's another message at a different church. (laughs) It's better to receive than to give. No, it's not. You can see how much I love money. It's better to give than to receive. Today, we're going to be talking about children and marriage, children and marriage. And this list, this list of building blocks. It really is a collection of values at Lifespring. These are the things that we value. These are the things that if you attend here week after week, you're going to hear about these things. And if we become silent on any of these issues, you will know we've strayed from our values. Speaking of children, two weeks ago, we had Pastor Adam up here. I loved it. It was Youth Sunday. Seeing the youth band up here leading us in worship, hearing our youth pastor preach on worship. I enjoyed every minute of it. I recently said in the leadership meeting that We will not hide our younger generation. We will not hide our children or our teens. We want them to feel welcomed here, to feel valued here. And it's always a little risky to do that. You know, in their youth, they can be a little less polished, maybe make some mistakes, maybe show up late to meetings or wear inappropriate clothing, even say a couple of bad words or watch movies that make us uncomfortable. But did you know that our youth invite more friends than the rest of us? That our youth actually lead more people to Christ than the rest of us. And they have an energy and a passion that makes them extremely effective, might I say dangerous, for the kingdom of God. I love them and God loves them. So we'd be fools not to equip them, empower them, and release them to reach this world for Jesus. If you are a teenager here or a 20-something, uh, at this moment I'd encourage you to take a quick look around. Go take a look to your left, take a look to your right. When you begin to have gray hair, when you're the one calling the shot, so to speak, in life, make sure you are empowering the next generation that follows you to use their gifts for the kingdom, just like those around you have done for you. Pass on what you've experienced here at LifeSpring as you walk and you see others walk in your footsteps. And then marriage, I just want to spend a, a, a few moments talking about marriage. It might seem like an interesting subject to make a list like this, the building blocks of life at LifeSpring. But as our marriages go, so goes Lifespring. I I really believe that. If we have healthy marriages, then we'll probably have a healthy church. By the way, marriage is God's idea. He invented it. We didn't. He loves marriage. But marriage can be extremely hard. And it takes a whole lot of work. But you know, if you can live in the victory found only in Jesus Christ in your marriage, if you can depend upon the grace of God to get you through the ups and the downs of this holy matrimony, then I believe you can face just about anything that life throws your way. In marriage, think about it. You put two very different people with different likes and interests and hobbies, views and attitudes, and you put them in the same room, not for just a couple hours, not for a week, not for a couple weeks, but for like 30, 40, 50, 60 years. It's amazing there's not more murders. (laughs) But if you haven't killed each other by then, many have grown so completely apart that they live two separate lives, just tolerating each other, tolerating each other, maybe for the kids or for the house. Or recently I heard for the health insurance. That's why they stayed together. But, you know, for us, Christian men and women, I believe God wants our marriages to thrive. I really do to grow closer, to grow stronger as the years go by, to be an example that our marriages would shine the light of Jesus Christ into the darkness. Don't you know that God allows us to experience the intensity and the heat of marriage, not so that we'd fail, not so that we'd be miserable, so that we can be everything that He has destined us to be, refined and sculpted, effective as iron sharpens iron, ready to face the challenges in this life. But marriage will test your faith, but it will also produce perseverance. The beginning of the book of James can easily be applied to the context of marriage. Listen to what it says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds in your marriage. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance in your marriage finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. We learn perseverance in marriage. You don't have to admit that right now to your spouse. It might be kind of awkward if you say, Hey, babe, I've been persevering with you. (laughs) It sounds kind of unromantic. But there are seasons when that is exactly what you are doing. You can't tell me otherwise. But in the midst of these difficult seasons, you are also growing. You are becoming mature and complete. So that when your marriage comes out of those difficult seasons, you will be stronger for it because you did not quit. You did not bail, but you stayed strong in the faith, standing and believing for your marriage. So we value marriage at LifeSpring. It is vital to everything we do here at the church. Have you noticed how many examples in my sermons involve my wife Mary? I talk about her all the time, and that's because I do not pastor alone. Mary might not have a pastoral license, but she is so important to the ministry that I do as a pastor. My effectiveness in ministry is directly linked to the health of our marriage. I love seeing Christine standing up here and her husband behind her. I do not know how to separate the two. My ability to pastor and shepherd the flock flows from the marriage covenant that I have with Mary. We've been married for seven and a half years She's the only one I've ever been married to, so I would not consider myself a marriage expert. I've only been married once. I think to be an expert, you probably have to be married a couple more times than that. (laughs) But sometimes, you know, it feels like we've been at it for a while. But most of the time, it feels like our wedding day was just yesterday. And before we met, I was already a full-time pastor serving the Lord with everything I had. She was a single mom, serving the Lord with everything she had. Neither one of us were looking for companionship when we first met. Neither one of us were on the hunt or the prowl, so to speak. We weren't interested in each other at first. She, in fact, told me just yesterday she thought I was a little boring. <laughs> I'm not going to even say anything. <laughs> But we were, <laughs> we were both so in love with the Lord at the time that it really took a while. It took some serious nudging from our friends, even some wise counsel from our pastors to help us realize that God might be calling us to be together. And when we started dating, it definitely wasn't about companionship. We both were very self-sufficient at the time. But I'll tell you why we hooked up. It was about our effectiveness in the kingdom of God. That is what our conversations were about. That's what our love Letters consisted of, if you read them today, we knew that our giftings were compatible with each other and that we could help each other encourage one another as we set out to reach the lost for Jesus. We realized there was something special that happened when we sang together and when we ministered together. When we talked about the things of God, we got excited and the Lord began to give us dreams and visions of what he might want to do in us and through us. I'm not making this up. You can ask Mary. This is why. We came together. But you know, that wasn't always the case for either one of us in our past. We both have quite the past. We both had been involved in previous relationships where we had entered those relationships not to find a partner in ministry, but instead we were looking for someone to help us with our loneliness, looking for somebody to meet our needs, to complete us, kind of like a sappy romantic movie or a novel. And we had both been in relationships like that. Only to have these relationships become increasingly more dysfunctional as time went by. For them to fall apart. To get out of alignment with the will of God. Why? Because we were trying to get all of our needs met by other people. Needs that could only truly be met in the person of Jesus Christ. But God performed a miracle. A supernatural miracle. Each of us separately on our own spiritual journey. Before we ever became a couple. Each of us began to live radical lives For Jesus, falling in love with him and him alone, realizing that another human being couldn't meet all our needs, couldn't solve that deep loneliness. By the time the Lord had brought us together, each of us was wholeheartedly in love with Jesus. I don't have time today to go into great detail on how this happened, but we each have a tremendous story and a powerful testimony of how we each fell in love with Jesus. I hope that as you attend here long enough, we will have the opportunity to share these stories with you. So we didn't come together to satisfy each other's deepest longings for companionship, but we do love each other. We love each other very much. There are tremendous benefits to being together, emotional and physical. It's wonderful to have someone by your side when times get tough. And I love sharing my highs and my lows with Mary. She's become my best friend. She's a blessing and I cherish her. I've been sick all week and she's been amazingly kind to her ill husband. You know what turns me on about Mary? You know what turns her on about me? It's not our good looks. It's not our sense of humor. Sense of humor goes out the window pretty quick in marriage, I notice. She's never laughing at anything I say. It's not that she's a good cook. It's not that we have the same things in common or interests. It's not that we take care of each other. It's one thing. It's each other's heart and passion for God and His kingdom. And as we pray and as we dream together and as we envision what God wants to do in and through us, we thank God that he brought us together. And we feel as though the best is yet to come. By the way, if you're single today, Mary and I wanted to share two things specifically for you. Number one, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. He is the answer to your loneliness. Everything else will disappoint Marriage doesn't solve your loneliness. I think you know that, or I know you think it well, but Mary and I, it's sad, but we know a lot of very lonely married people. Sure, they have another person living in their house, but it kind of feels like it's a stranger, and they feel very lonely. Marriage is not the answer. Jesus is. I know it's easy for me to say that because I'm married. I get that. But that's what we believe. And then, number two, don't settle. Don't settle. Marry somebody else who is also in love with Jesus, because again, good looks deteriorate, wealth and popularity it comes and goes. Even attitudes change. But if you marry someone who who is in love with Jesus, you're going to have a firm foundation for your marriage. Because guess what? Jesus never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're going to need that solid rock as you go through this roller coaster we call marriage. So marriage and children, two issues that the Bible is not silent about, by the way. It isn't. The Bible talks about marriage. It tells us what a marriage covenant is between a man and a woman. It tells us a whole lot about children, how to love them, how to treat them, how to raise them. Today, we're only scratching the surface on all that the Bible has to say about these two subjects. But have you noticed what the Bible tells us about marriage and children seems to be a little different than what our society tells us? There's almost an anything goes mentality these days on how to walk through a marriage and how to raise a family. Here's a clip from heartthrob Enrique Iglesias that sums up some of the current feelings towards marriage and family.
1: In my personal life, I, I, I do feel satisfied. Maybe the day I have children, I'll you. Now I feel even more satisfied. In my, do you see yourself getting married and having kids? Um. I see myself having kids. I don't necessarily think marriage is that important to, 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 to have, I mean, I don't have to be, I don't feel like I have to get married to have kids. And um, a lot of it has to do with, because I've seen couples that are married and are pretty unhappy. And I've seen couples that are not married and are very happy that I don't, I don't think there's any rules. It's, it's, it's a different time now. And I do, I do see myself at some point maybe having kids. Um, Hopefully, I'll be patient enough to to raise them.
0: Thank you, Enrique. (laughs) Unlike his hit song, I don't want him to be my hero. I do not want him to kiss away the pain. (laughs) I want to hear what Jesus has to say. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, go ahead and open to Mark chapter 10 verses one through 16. And let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that in these times when we have questions, you are the answer that we can always run to you, God, that you are not silent on these issues, that you care about marriage. You care about children. And we are eager to learn what you have to say to us this morning. In your name, we pray. Amen. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Mark 10, one through 16. Getting up. Jesus, he went from there to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. Crowds gathered around him again, and according to his custom, he once more began to teach them. Some Pharisees came up to Jesus, testing him, and began to question him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce a wife. And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? They said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. In the house, the disciples began questioning him about this again. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces... Her husband and marries another man. She is committing adultery. And they were bringing children to him, so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. For when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, "Permit the children to come to me; do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all." And he took them in his arms, began blessing them, laying his hands. On them. Jesus has so much to say in this short passage about marriage and children. Let's begin with children. Let's pick it up at verse 13. I want to read it again. They were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. And he took them in his arms, began blessing them, laying his hands on them. As most of you know, my brain's always going. I'm thinking about everything and anything all the time. One of the things that I've always wondered about is why did God ordain that there be children? Why did God design us to be little babies in diapers that we would have to mature and grow up to become adults? Why didn't God just design the human race so that we would divide and multiply kind of like an amoeba? He could have done it that way, right? Or any number of ways. Why did God ordain that there be children and not just adults? I think there's some pretty obvious answers. He allowed us to be kids so we could watch Barney and eat snow cones and run through sprinklers and have pillow fights. But one of the main reasons, I believe, is that children stand for something. They stand for something. As I look at my kids, they represent something. They stand for the kind of dependence and helplessness The need and the faith that is required for adults to enter the kingdom of God. To such as these, verse 14 says, belongs the kingdom. If you're ever wondering how to find God, childlike faith points the way. To such as these belongs the kingdom. At LifeSpring, we love children, we invest in children. And why do we invest so much into children? Why do we have teachers who prepare a Sunday school class just for them every Sunday morning? Why do we have Adam and all of his leaders pour into the youth group every Sunday night? Why do we have all these events and camps and programs just for our kids? Jesus gives the answer. As adults, Jesus has given us a charge. Do not hinder these children from coming to me. He says, permit the children to come. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God ...belongs to such as these. Why do we help them? Why do we minister to them? Because God loves them. And Jesus loves them. Because they stand for something. They represent the kind of people... ...who will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't hinder them. Because the such as these belongs the kingdom. Don't hinder them, Lifespring. Help them. Lead them to Jesus. Because they represent the kind of people... ...who will inherit... The kingdom who will live with Christ forever. Don't hinder them. Help them. Love them. Children are a work of God. They are a gift of God. And they find their meaning from God. They show us all the way into the kingdom of God. To such as these enter the kingdom. And with that, if our kids ever become an annoyance to you or irritate you, you might need to spend some time praying to the Lord. That he would change your heart. (laughs) Do not hinder them. They don't annoy or irritate Jesus. He welcomes them. And I pray that you do the same. We love children at LifeSpring Church. And it gets a little noisy. But we love them. And we better make room for them. We can learn so much from them as we welcome them and love them and point them to Jesus. And now marriage. Let's get back to the beginning of this passage. Verse 2. The Pharisees, they come to Jesus with a plan, questioning whether it is lawful for a man to divorce his wife. Jesus throws the question right back at them, asking them what what Moses has commanded them. And they say, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Jesus comes back with a pretty interesting response. Verse 5, he says, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. In other words, the law that you use to justify your divorce and your marriage and your remarriage... It testifies not to the desire of God's heart, but much more it speaks to the hardness of your own heart. God has tolerated the hardness of your heart in his law. But now Jesus is about to communicate something that is greater than the law. He traces the meaning of marriage back before the law to the very first design of God. At the beginning of creation, this issue of divorce and remarriage, Jesus says, is not mainly about the way God regulated that hardness of your heart in the law. This issue of divorce and remarriage actually goes up against the very meaning of marriage that was designed by God in creation. Jesus takes the Pharisees back before the law. And he says in verse 6, God created man, male and female. He quotes Genesis 127 there. He says, this is the basis of marriage. God's action, God's design, God created man, male and female. Verses 7 and 8, Jesus makes the connection between God creating male and female on the one hand and this idea of marriage on the other hand by quoting another passage from Genesis. Genesis 2:24. he says, For this reason, because God created man, male and female with a design for marriage, a man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. In other words, leaving your father... And mother and becoming one flesh to form that new family unit. It's God's idea rooted way back in the way he created and designed man as male and female. And then he hits them with this incredibly powerful and bold statement. One that I declare at the end of every wedding that I perform. Verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. What God has joined together. What God has joined together, He's flat out saying the union of marriage is something that God does. It's not just a human decision. It's not just a human tradition. Marriage is something that God does. We see it. We see God. He designed it in Genesis 1:27. He describes it in Genesis 2:24. And God does it the day you got married. So listen up. Marriage is a work of God, and it gets its meaning from God. Let no man separate. What God has joined together. But then Jesus gets it again. He gets round two of questioning about divorce. This time not from the Pharisees, but from his disciples. And he answers them. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. Then in verse 12, he turns it around. He focuses on the woman who's thinking about leaving her husband for another man. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery. For some of you, I get it. You're probably thinking about your past. And and as you hear these words from Jesus, it can be very painful. Divorce is painful. Affairs are painful. They're destructive. They hurt. In this room alone, I know that many of you have been divorced. You maybe have parents that have been divorced or your kids have gotten a divorce. Many of you have had to walk through that tragedy of having an affair or having a loved one be in an affair. I don't think Jesus is saying this to rub salt in your wounds. Remember, these words from Jesus, they aren't for your destruction, but they might be for your prevention. I hope you hear me. They aren't for your destruction, but they might be for your prevention. He's speaking to those of you who can still turn back, telling you, marriage is my idea. I designed it. I described it. And it's deeper than you realize. What God joins together He joins together deeply, deeper than feelings, deeper than promises, deeper than sex and friendship, even deeper than your mistakes. This idea of one flesh, it is a deep mystery. That's exactly what Paul calls it in Ephesians 5.32. He says it is an image of Christ in the church. The union of husband and wife in marriage is like the union of God and his people. John Piper says the marriage union is a deep, deep ocean of wonders, yet our society treats it like a backyard swimming pool for lounging around in as long as we feel like it, and then getting out when we feel like it. But let's understand this point, church. What God joins together, He joins deeply together. That's why the charge of adultery or leaving your spouse for another person is much deeper than we realize Marriage is an image of the covenant commitment between Christ and the church for whom he died. To walk away from marriage for another relationship is not just about marriage, but it's about Christ. It's about God. What God has joined together in man and woman, in Christ and his church, do not separate. God will never separate his church and Christ. And I pray that my marriage to Mary Burse will loudly declare that truth to the world. Don't lie to the world about the covenant between Christ and his church. God, join this. Don't separate it, even an image of it. And again, I know many of us have made mistakes in this area, and I'm not here to condemn you. Jesus does not condemn you. God's grace covers it all. But some of you are playing with fire. Listen up. Some of you are in dangerous waters. You put on a smile when we come to church, but there's a different person acting Monday through Saturday. I would encourage you, wherever you are right now, whether you're in the midst of an affair or you're just about to head into one, maybe you're planning, planning your escape from your marriage covenant. Stop. 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 Today, honor the vows you have made. Fulfill your calling to be an example to the world of the rock-solid relationship of Christ and His church. Love and honor your spouse. Honor the covenant of marriage. So marriage is a work of God. It gets its meaning from God. I just encourage you, wherever you are today, God loves you. He has a plan for you. If you're married, He has a plan for your marriage. If you're single, He's got a plan for your life as well. But whatever you're thinking about heading into that is not of God, I'd encourage you, you don't have to head in that direction. You don't. You can stop today. Today, you can stop and turn and walk for the things of God. Does that make sense? Amen. Well, this time, I'm going going to bring up my oldest sister up back again with her hubby. We're going to talk a little bit about marriage and having kids. My sister, she's a doctor at Wood Creek Pediatrics and a worship leader. My brother-in-law, Joel, he's a drummer and a school bus driver. They have four amazing and wonderfully talented kids, as you saw up here. Personally, I can't remember a day when they weren't married. They got married when I was five. Joel said he he always holds over my head the fact that he changed my diapers. I don't know if that's true, (laughs) But that's what he always told me. So I've had the opportunity to spend my whole life observing them, watching their marriage. And in so many ways, they are my heroes. One of the reasons that my marriage is as strong as it is is because of the legacy of marriage that's been passed down onto me. I've been very fortunate. My parents have been married for 49 years, celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary in September. All four of my siblings are still married. But it's not because it was easy. But they've continued to fight for their marriages. Speaking of fighting, I've seen my various siblings fight a lot in their marriages. But you know, it actually has helped me a lot. And when Mary and I fight, I don't have to think it's the end of the world. I don't have to stress out or get anxious or think my marriage is ruined because I've seen people fight in the best examples of marriage that I have in my life. I've seen them also go through some really sad and painful times in their life, including when Joel, he lost both of his parents to cancer. But I saw how you supported one another, how you loved one another. You drew closer together. That's also been an an, an incredible encouragement to me, to know that when Mary and I go through our hard times, through our tragedies, that we don't have to grow apart, which happens a lot in tragedies. After a tragedy, families grow apart. But that we can grow closer together. So thank you for being here today. Would you welcome them again, Joel and Christine Berger? This is fun, getting to drill my cysts, like payback. No, you never did anything to me.
1: What's your favorite color? Um.
0: So I want you to answer these questions however you want to answer them. You don't have to um, say like the Jesus answer, but you guys both love Jesus, so I'm assuming that it'll probably be um, a Jesus answer. But let's start with this. How long have you been married, and how did you meet?
2: All right. Well, we have been married for 26 and a half years. It'll be 27 years this September. Good. How did we meet? He asked me if I remembered this because Dan told us he was going to ask this question. But... <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> you got it wrong one time yeah, that's years right. and years ago. We played a game. I, that, was that was bad. So... Let's not go there. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, see counseling and oh no. See how this works. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... Um, actually, uh, Joel's younger brother was our youth pastor at uh, the church that I was attending at that time. And uh, I started working with the youth. And uh, when Joel became saved, he started uh, coming and helping out with the youth group as well. And so we met at church. And uh, I was going to the University of Washington at that time. And I went and bought a couple of tickets to a Husky football game. And... Um, <laughs> Answer, uh, we were at a youth event.
1: Now, get this, because I manipulated her into doing yeah. this, but she still thinks it's her idea. Go right. ahead. So,
2: we, we see this one differently. I was at a youth event, standing next to him with my heart beating really, really fast and going, I just happened to have two tickets to a football game, and I don't know who to go with.
1: Manipulation. And,
2: um, <laughs> and he jumped in with a, I'll go with you. and that yeah. was the, the That was start. back when the
1: Huskies were good and they won oh, like fifty two to three or something like that. It was awesome.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Um I didn't actually know that. That's, that's really cool. Wow. So what made you guys decide to get married?
1: What made us get married? Yeah. What made us decide, okay, well, um Beyond the normal thing, you know, just being <laughs> like Oh, I see. Well, because personally because um my conversion experience was um Uh, maybe a couple of months before I met Christine. Um, I really, God's voice when he spoke to me was very apparent and very, uh, very real and very loud and very meaningful. Not that it isn't now, but it was all so new then. And God told me that she's for me and that he would bring her along to me it was my gift he saw me at my very worst and yet he loved me and he gave me christine now there's all sorts of you know ups and downs that go with that but christine is my gift from god so that's why we got married.
0: Very cool. And how old were you, Joel, when you got married? <laughs>
1: yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I was uh, 20. I think I turned 27 like a couple of weeks after we got married.
0: And how old were you, Christine, when you got married? 20. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Yes, she was 11 when I graduated from high school. But, but we didn't. We didn't. Uh, we didn't meet until I was in my 20s. Good,
0: but, good. Yeah. So here's one. Um, early on in your marriage, did you ever feel like you had made a mistake?
2: No. Um, and, and that's my honest answer. I mean, I think in the midst of those times when you're upset and you're yelling and you're, those kinds of thoughts will go through your head. But I n- always knew that we had made a covenant under God and that I was supposed to marry Joel and we had committed to one another. And so regardless of what was going on in that midst, when all those, I, I never honestly ever thought Gosh, I went out of this marriage, or I made a mistake, or I shouldn't be married. I never felt that our our marriage was in jeopardy of 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 divorce of that
1: direction. It's kind of like it's that's not an option. The option is it's the it's the when you take a um, uh, an equation in algebra, they give you variables and they give you constants. Okay. The marriage is always the constant. Mm. No matter what happens, the marriage mm. stays. That's good. It, because it's a gift. It's a gift that was given to us by God. And, yeah, there's things you have to do. you got to feed it. And you got to, you know, you have to serve it. You have to feed it. But it's, it's there. And so there's, I mean, as far as being a mistake, I mean, I, no.
0: Yeah. So 26 years, mm-hmm. that's awesome, impressive. Again, an example to me and, and my wife. Uh, What what do you think are some of the things that have kept it so strong and healthy through those 26 years?
2: Sure. Um, Again, as I I said just a little while ago, I, I see marriage as a covenant. And it's a covenant made under God. And that the two of us, when we entered into it, uh, we entered in knowing that as long as we remained in the Lord, that his love would never fail. And therefore that our love would never fail. And my parents made a similar promise to me when I was very young. My mom said, I can promise you we will never get divorced because we are rooted in God and his love never goes away. It'll never fail. And Joel and I entered into marriage at the same time with those that same same sense of, of understanding what marriage was all about. So, over time, what does that mean? What's kept us married? It means that we each have to feed our spiritual life. I have to stay in the Lord, I have to stay in His presence, I have to grow because we are flawed individuals. I'm a flawed individual. Um, we have a great marriage. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's, he's a great, and He can. You uh, can't agree to that because he knows that. After 26 years, I can't hide the fact that I'm sometimes really irritable. That I sometimes say things to him that have no business ever being said.
1: Mm. That and, I... and vice versa, just so you know.
2: <laughs> and, and so we do it wrong. But the key is, because we stay rooted in Christ, we go to one another and we say, I did it wrong. That doesn't stand. Mm. And we allow one another. That... Sometimes Joel will say, Oh, you don't have to say that. I'm like, no. I did that wrong. What I just did was was a bitter statement that did not that doesn't stand. That can't stay here. So to keep married, we have to stay in the Lord. We have to stay close to uh, to His presence, and then we have to extend grace to one another.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And because um, marriage is, like Dan said earlier, uh, uh, an example of the covenant that God has with the church, with Christ has with His church. That's though that's the 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 same covenant that that we share too and so it's not so we always have to feed it we always have to um, i'm not going to go to work and say you would not believe what my wife does at home that just is not an option for us i don't do that and i don't talk negatively about our marriage i don't talk negatively about our children i don't talk negatively um, about my relationship with christ because those are all examples of the covenant that we've, we have with Christ.
0: Amen. That's really good. So, channeling my inner Enrique Iglesias. Oh, okay. Is marriage an old-fashioned tradition that isn't needed anymore? Or do you think it's still important in today's society?
1: Me? Oh, okay. Um, well, Enrique, um, God asked me to marry christine and god gave me christine as a gift and in my life it's very very important because it's an important example for my children and it's an important example for my friends and the people that we minister to Um, because in for me in my life in this skin that i live in I feel like I break a lot of promises. I do things wrong. I don't follow through. I'm a procrastinator. I'll start something and not finish. But the one thing that I still have is this marriage, and I'm going to stay. I'm going to stand for it. Okay? It's worth fighting for.
2: And marriage is... Marriage is so important. And I thought it was a very telling statement in that when he said that he hoped he could be patient with his children if he had children. And I thought that was an interesting comment because... Part of the uh, the marriage part in preparation for having children is learning some of those skills, is learning how to be patient with one another, how to abide. And that kind of roots in the whole idea of just being in whatever makes you happy. So for him, it's like, well, my my friends, my happiest friends are the ones who are just living together or just together who aren't, aren't married. And so then as soon as those feelings of I'm not happy anymore, let's go over here and then I'll be happy, um... That, that's where all that comes from. But when you make a foundation in marriage, it has nothing to do with happiness. I mean, it doesn't mean we're not happy together because we are. Why are we happy together? We're happy together because God is in the room and the joy of the Lord is with us. And that means we can have joy in the midst of trials. Right. But when those trials come and Joel's really irritated with me or I'm really irritated with him, if it was all about just how I felt, we just... Walk out the door.
1: Well, we'll look at this example again. God saw me at my very worst, which is the millisecond before I accepted Christ into my life. He saw me at my very worst. I was as far away from God as I ever would be right before I turned to him. He saw me at my worst, yet he said, I love you. Christine has seen me at my very worst, yet, she says, she loves me. I've seen her at her very worst. I've seen her at her very worst, yet I still love her because that's the example that I have. And that's how you teach people to be patient with each other. Because it's not about the feeling. It's not about... You know the the swimming pool that we just kind of hang out with.
0: Yeah, very good. So 26 years, the next 26 years. What uh, gets you most excited, and what makes you most worried about thinking about the next 26?
2: Well, I don't like getting old. So I, I just to tell you that. Just as, as time goes by, it seems to be going by faster and faster. And uh, so I, I, we're, we're very busy. we got very busy kids. And just this week I, I told Joel, I said, I've got to remember to just be happy in the moment and just enjoy the moment because I'm always worried about the next thing that's going to happen. But I'm excited about seeing what God's going to do in our life and in the life of my children because my children are getting to a point now where they're starting to enter into their own paths their own their own uh, career paths that were god's opening doors for them sometimes i get afraid and i get afraid of that well what if the visions that I have for my kids won't come about. What if they don't, aren't able to reach their goals and their dreams? And when I'm in those places, that's where I realize this is where faith abides. If my faith is truly what I say it is, if I to, truly believe that God is in control and that I have entrusted my children unto them, and I know every one of my children have entrusted their own life into His hands, then I can't fear whatever comes about. Hmm. Because I do know that we've we've been through bad times. Dan Dan mentioned that. Um we We uh, lost a baby in the uh, third trimester of, of pregnancy. I lost a baby. We have a, a little girl who um, we had to bury. It was a horrendous time for me in a time where uh, my faith was so strong. I had my two boys. I knew I was going to have a girl I'd prayed for for my daughter. I knew that she was coming. Um, I, I just just knew God was going to bring about all the answers to my prayers, and I was devastated the day that that I went in and she had stopped moving, and the day they couldn't find a heartbeat. And the day I had to deliver a dead baby, that was a horrendous moment for me. A dark moment for, for me. But God has used those moments and those kinds of dark times to strengthen our relationship and the past. So I can't be afraid of what's to come. I'm excited about what's to come because whatever comes about, Dan, it's going to be God's will. And as long as Joel and I keep surrendering to God's will, it might not be what I want. But I'm excited about what he brings about because it's going to be his.
1: Yeah. And the beauty is that God says, I love you. When I ask him if I ask him, well, you know, can you work on this? He says, I am. I am is what he says to me a lot. And. Go ahead. And yeah, but he says, I love you. And he says, I'm on your team. He says, What I have for you is good for you. So if I follow Jesus, if I fall in love with Jesus first, which is what we did, that's the constant in our relationship. It's a triangle, it's God and then us, right? In a triangle, we're all working. She's touching, I'm touching, we're touching, God's in between us, all that. If that's the center, That's the center. He's on our team. What he's got for us is good for us. And he says, I love you. And I want to be on your team. So it is exciting.
0: I sure appreciate you guys coming up and and sharing. And um, I I think, again, you're my heroes. You encourage me. And and I love just hearing your honesty about things as well. Sometimes in marriage, the minute even just one negative thing happens, we we just kind of lose it. We run around like chickens with our heads cut off thinking... That uh, the whole world's gonna fall apart. That happens. Often. But um, the, the wonderful thing about, like even my parents' marriage, you know, is is seeing the legacy of. Yeah, you're gonna have hard times and difficult times, but you're gonna have a wonderful times as well and joyous mm-hmm. times. And um, like you said, not even an option yes. to uh, to get a divorce. That God's put you together. It's a covenant. And, uh, I'm excited to see the next 26 years of your marriage. It's It's going to be really good. The first 26, you guys are the busiest people I know, (laughs) so I can only imagine what you're going to accomplish in the next 26. Can we give them a hand? Thank Thank them. I'd invite the rest of the, uh, Bozich clan to come back up. And as they do, I'd like us to pray. I know there's some of us in here that are single who wish we were married. And sadly, there's some of us who are married that wish we were single. It's true. But however you came in today, whether you're married, single, you have no children, or maybe you're the Brady Bunch, I, I think there's one resounding theme for today. I haven't talked a lot about it, but this is what I feel. It's the theme of love. Marriage can only work by the grace of God and the love of Jesus Christ. Raising our children in the ways of the Lord, it will only work if we learn how to love Our kids, like Jesus, loves us. Every one of us in this room, we're currently in some sort of relationship. It might be a spouse, but it might just be a friend or a buddy. But we all have a relationship where we know we probably haven't been loving them like we should. We aren't showing them the love of Christ. I know I'm guilty of that. Earlier this week in a phone conversation I had, wasn't with any of you, but I just know that I failed in that earlier this week. In your marriage, in your family, at work, at school, wherever it is, God's great commandment does not change. Love God, love others as yourself. I want us to pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'd like to read a familiar passage from the Bible to you. It's often read at weddings. I pray that the Lord by His Holy Spirit would speak these words over you anew and afresh, that these words would penetrate your heart. Let's pray. If I speak in the tongues of men... I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy, does not boast. It is not proud. Does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray for your love to fill this room, even now, Lord. For those who can't get past the things that they've done in their lives or maybe the horrible things that others have done to them. I pray for freedom right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. You've not sent us here to be condemned. But your Holy Spirit draws us back into relationship with God. And some of us are out of alignment. Some of us are thinking things that just are not right. Some of us are behaving in ways that are described in no other terms but just flat out sin so we come back to you today knowing there's a better way knowing there's the perfect way knowing there's the way where it says your will be done not my will your purposes, your plans your ideas, your thoughts your adventure not my own so even if we came in this morning dissatisfied with our singleness or dissatisfied with our marriage We want to leave satisfied with you. Show us once again by your Holy Spirit what it means to fall in love with you, Jesus. We want to fall in love with you, Jesus, because there's a hurting world out here and the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. And you don't want us to just hang out and think about ourselves all day, but you want us to fall in love with you to accomplish the work that you set out for us to do. You're stirring up a passion within your people in this community. I am excited about being in this community. I'm excited about what you're doing in this community. I cannot wait. But we need to get into alignment with what you want to do. So we repent. Come humbly before you, God, knowing that we are covered. In your grace. And we do not leave the same. We are changed by your spirit. We are changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your transforming work in each of our lives. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.